1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode two eight six of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, May the second, and I am joined, as often, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Sir, it is
2: very soon to be Meyer League Baseball season, and I am here to talk about Major League Baseball, so it's a good day. How are you?
1: Yeah, I mean better than the Braves. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk yeah. about the Braves, obviously, on this podcast throughout. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, yeah. uh, it was a positive start to the week. Uh, they won three games in a row, and then they lost the last four. Um, we'll get into all of that stuff. Uh, I want to ask you at the top, though, uh, where your meter is on the panic meter, because this is almost about an every week segment right now, because somehow, even when the Braves win games during the week, they find a way to like go up in flames on the weekend. So we record a podcast, and it's always like kind of negative right now, which I feel bad about. But uh, where is your panic level at 12 and 16 and losing four in a row here? So you don't want to
2: ever lose 16 games in the first month of a season, right? Is this just generally true? Um, and we've talked a lot about it going into the season that we, you don't want to, like the, the losses in April count as much as the ones that that happened in September, right? So in that sense, that's obviously bad. And, you know, the projection systems are probably right to start adjusting for the Braves down a bit uh, because the pitch, I mean, I am not worried about the offense. I'll just go ahead and just get that out there. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna is still Ronald Acuna. Even when he's not, like, torching everybody, he's still very good. Uh, and then he also just, you know, casually hits, like, these 200, like, these 480-foot bombs that, you know, I'm not sure have landed yet. And he just has these really good bats. He's just, he's been very good. And, you know, other guys are getting better. I, I don't see Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna being kind of what they currently are, which is being completely unable to hit lefties and not being hitting righties particularly well either. So... You know, I just don't see them as those guys. Uh, are there some pieces in the lineup that maybe are a little bit concerning? Man, sure. I, I'll, I'll spot that. But the, the issue is the pitching. And the itch, issue is, you know, like, is this bullpen going to be something that's, you know, kind of be reliable, particularly for those, you know, those first guys out of the bullpen? Um, is it always just going to be this adventure where all of a sudden they give up three more runs? Uh, who who in the rotation is actually currently healthy? Who is going to get healthy? Those are all reasonable questions that reasonable people should be asking. Um because that's going to be the, something that I think could be the biggest problem long-term. Uh, am I concerned? Sure. Uh, when a team's four games under 500, that's not a good place to be. But at the same time, no one in this division seems to be trying to run away with it. And this, I still think this team has the best upside out of all of them. So I, I still think that they're okay. Uh, they need to turn things around relatively quickly. Uh, this whole win-three-lose-four, win-three-lose-four thing probably has to stop sometime soon. Um, but you know, you're, you're, there are some, like, especially offensively, we're starting to see the turnarounds that we were hoping for. You hope that, you know, the guy's getting back healthy in the rotation and in the bullpen that, that starts helping turn things around there. Um, and that they stop using some of the guys they have been using in the bullpen who have been pretty bad, uh, which, you know, we're, we're going to get to, because there's certainly some fine examples of that happening over the course of the last week uh overall like again it's concerning sure but at the same time we're talking about a pretty small sample of a team that's been really good over the last three years it's mostly the same core of uh, same core of guys I, I still like this team but there's certainly some things they're gonna have to start going going right soon particularly on the pitching side
1: yeah it's been maybe not great podcasting to agree with you on all of that but I I, I do and we'll come back to it later on, later on as we talk about this week and beyond the standings and all that but yeah I think it's too early to panic but some concern is warranted here. Uh, I'm not going to tell everybody to like that everything's fine look away. like it's you know it's somewhere in the middle. I think you're in good shape as long as you do what you're supposed to do. but the pitching, uh, as, a, as a look ahead to later on in the podcast, the Braves currently have both the worst ERA and the most runs allowed in the National League. Uh, that isn't going to work you have to fix that the nope. offense to your point has been much better and uh, at this moment as we record the offense uh, leads the NL East in runs scored by a pretty comfortable margin it's just that the pitching has been as bad as you could have possibly thought it would be so far so that's where we'll start here and I want to start off with the with the wins so because last week Scott and I got into some big picture stuff which was good I think but uh I don't, I don't want to ignore the three wins the Braves did get this week they One Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in bounce-back fashion. Uh, They scored four runs in the first inning on Monday, which was fun because of how bad Sunday was, which Scott and I talked about a lot last week. I have to ask you now before we get into this. Uh, Sunday was, last last Sunday I should say, the the doubleheader uh, extravaganza of one hit. Was that yeah, like say, was that was that was that rock bottom? Uh, you have to assume it would be, uh, but then well, they was, they've lost they've lost four in a row now. But uh, uh, well, let, now let's be clear about rock bottom for right? the offense this se- for, the for, offense. About to say,
2: for Well, that and for the season, I'll buy that. I mean, I have been some through some pretty de- demoralizing stretches covering this team. Uh, Twenty sixteen comes to mind where it just felt like you know, nothing. <laughs> like like there's the, there are some lineups that are being run out that you like. I look back and I'm like, I don't even understand how I watched them. Right. So, um, and yes, it was, it was obviously bad. Uh, and it certainly, did, it, it certainly didn't, it certainly didn't, it certainly felt as bad as the stat line looked. Uh, it didn't feel like that there was, you know, a the, the, lot of just rough at bats, just like a lot of just kind of giving up on at bats. Um, Sure. I mean, like in terms of rock bottom for this season, I like in terms of just like being a demoralizing day of baseball, where like, you know, you <laughs> you get <laughs> you get you know, you get Bumgarner and which, you know, which got all the, you know, the local beat guys that have been lusting after Madison Bumgardner forever uh, talking about him. And, you know, you just it was bad and it, it certainly didn't feel awesome. But I've been very firmly on the when this team is bad right now, they're really bad. But I know this isn't who they are, so I'm. I've been. Re- I have been retaining my. This is kind of a small sample and a really rough stretch, but this isn't like the kind of the, what I think this team is uh, over the course of the season. So was it probably rock bottom for the season? I think so. Uh, there was a lot of injuries over the course of last week's that kind of like you know, are slowly demoralizing too. Oh, there's but, there's I mean, one more to talk about
1: today that we'll get into later on. That was like, yeah,
2: like, like yeah. Awesome.
1: Um, but yeah, I think I agree with all of that. You know, it was good to see the offense wake up though, from there, because we spent a lot of time, I think justifiably last week on the podcast talking about how bad the offense had been. And then they come out and they score 23 runs in three games. They went eight to seven on Monday. Um, they won Monday despite giving up a grand slam, which is, uh, not always what happens. <laughs> you give up a grand slam. You're usually going to lose. That's just kind of the rule. Yeah, of usually, it's uh, usually it's a little rough. Yeah. yeah but Freddie hits a three run three on Homer in the fifth to sort of be the game winner. They scored four runs right away. Um, every starter had a hit except for Ronald Acuna, which is hilarious. Uh, of course, he walked twice because he's not human. <laughs> but uh,
2: yeah, And they also have no interest in pitching to him. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, it was just hilarious to like see that after the rest of the season so far. It was like, oh, everyone was great today, except for the guy who's been uh, superhuman this year. But they went 8-7 on Monday. Tuesday was uh, actually, as ironic as this is, the Braves, as we just said, have the league's worst, at least the National League's worst pitching numbers. They threw back-to-back shutouts on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> so um, yeah, so like that—that's that, that, that's with two shutouts on their ledger.
2: Yeah, in a small sample in theory should make it better. Yeah, but it's not been yeah.
1: no. So Tuesday, I think the headliner was actually Ian Anderson. Um, Ian he was great. Goes seven innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts. He was absolutely lights out. He was not. He was not as good in his most recent start. But Tuesday was like. The reminder of what he can do in terms of what he's on and has it going. The Braves actually didn't score until the fifth inning of that game, and then of course Ronnie breaks out of his uh, one one day slump with a 481 foot home run, just an absolute I, Titanic I, blast. <laughs> I, 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 I
2: like I know that that's how that like how what the like the cameras do to kind of like project those. I might take the over on that one, to, to, but I mean like I mean again you know it's kind of an imperfect thing and you know just eyeballing it doesn't make much sense either. But that ball was crushed. Uh, like just absolutely destroyed. And you know, when he gets a hold of one like that, those are those are those are fun ones.
1: Yeah, that was uh nice to see. And you know, again, Anderson was awesome, so that's kind of the headliner. And then Wednesday, they just did everything right. Um they win three Favorite in a row. Favorite game of the week. Not yeah. Ten nothing. <laughs> they win three in a row. Um to get back to five hundred for the season, they hit five home runs. They hit two in the first inning from Austin Riley, who's been awesome lately. We'll come back to him later on, and Marcelo Azuna. And then Enoa Bombs. That, this, that's the one. It cracks me up. He has,
2: at like, the, I think it's the last two or three games when he's been batting, he's just been hitting the snot out of the ball. Yeah. Which is funny because he has like an ugly swing. Uh, Snitger talked about how, like, when they were doing like soft soft toss like batting practice, like he was like missing, like swinging and missing, and like they were like like genuinely worried like that he could like you know, it be could be really bad if he's trying to hit. <laughs> and like he's like roping doubles and like he it's a line drive home run into the bullpen. Uh, they're like guys who have been in the lineup with some amount of regular who haven't hit up all that hard, um, all year. Like that, that one was a favorite. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, he has the one had one rough start, but honestly, like for a pitching staff that has really struggled, like ha- ha- hat tips to him because Oscar has been really, really good. Uh, I still am skeptical that he sticks as a starter long-term, but as long as that two pitch mix seems to keep fooling people for five, six innings a night and getting all these strikeouts, uh, and, you know, if, add a bonus that, you know, he can provide his own offense, you know, you know, shouts to him because, you know, he's he's been on quite the run.
1: Yeah, the encouraging thing, you know, you mentioned the one blow-up start, but even with that, he has a 2.96 ERA for the season, and my encouraging thing for know is he's not walking anybody. He has about a 5.5 nope, to 1. Yeah. yeah, the command's been good. It's been, uh, you know, it's it's only six appearances, five starts, so you don't want to go overboard. The home runs have been a little bit high, for instance, but um, he's been a godsend um on a number of levels. So the batting's been hilarious. Scott, I talked about his base running on the last podcast, which was in, in big quotation marks. quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> um but, you know, coming into Wednesday, the Braves were pretty big underdogs because it was Enoa against Kyle Hendricks, who was the Cubs best pitcher, and they just teed off on him. They had ten runs in the first six innings. Um Riley, Freeman, and um Albies all had three plus hits in the game. So like that was a fun one. They were kind of Getting the mojo back, it felt like. And uh, honestly, I said this to you before we started recording. But Wednesday night into Thursday morning, I was like, "All right, maybe a pretty positive podcast this week." Famous last words, I guess.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, Look, that, I don't know why this team is is streaky, particularly the way they are. You know, like it's just like you know, like it, it's it's very much like you know, three and then four and then three and then four. I don't. I, it's hard for me to understand kind of why it's happening, um, and I, I wish I had a better handle on that. But you know, again, there there are certainly some signs this week where. Uh, and really all throughout this week it seems fair is that the, the offense has been significantly better this week and that's something that you can take into even through into the weekend is that the offense has been better um, yeah. now you know speaking of a game that you know they won a game where they gave up a grand slam but they also managed to lose one where they hit one so it's against a lot of weirdness about kind of how these games are going um, their, their inability to you know win games in the extra innings is still bizarre but you know, I, I, for just kind of an overall takeaway before we kind of get into those weekend games is, you know, why they were uh, kind of dumpster fires in their own individual rights, each one of them. Um, you know, one thing I will say about the whole week is that it, the offense has certainly seen better overall.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. And we'll, we'll leave that positive note here in the air for a second before we get to a break. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be, we'll be right back with uh, some very rosy talk about Thursday through Sunday and beyond. So hold on tight. We'll be right back.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All
1: right, Eric, let us get into the four-game losing streak.
2: Let's get toxic.
1: I'm ready. Uh, uh, okay, so Thursday, yeah. they lose 9-3. to three. On Thursday, Bryce Wilson, not great. not a, not a not great good. start. He was uh, he boxed in a run in the first inning Got kind of strangely. Um he gave up 4 yeah. runs and 8 base runners in 3 innings. Uh you know, he was kind of billed as the opener. It wasn't like a full-fledged start even though he did start, but he was not great. And then both Tomlin and Jones gave give it 2 runs each. They're down 8 to 2 by the 7th inning. The one bright spot was Austin Riley who had another good game. I pulled this stat now and honestly, he hasn't even slowed down, but in the 8 games this is one positive from this night. Uh, in the eight games there for Riley, including Thursday, he had a 1.543 OPS. So a 1543 OPS in eight games. Now, Riley that's, that's famously had ass. the uh, the scalding hot chick when he first came up. But the, other than that streak, this is the best eight-game run, 10-game run of his career. So I know we've poked fun at Scott. I, I know I, I put fun, fun at Scott last week on the podcast for this, and Scott you know, he definitely owned it. But... We're all hoping Riley is going to continue to rake. And honestly, he's been incredible for like, I don't know, a week and a half now, two weeks almost. So fingers crossed on that, because uh, to your point about the offense earlier, like he's a big part of why they're coming alive, because you can't just have everything go on Ronnie and Freddie. But between Riley and Ozzie Albies, those guys are basically, you know, doing a lot to spark the offense now. I, I actually want
2: to ask this because I get asked this. I've been asked this quite a bit this week. Given how things have been happening, and I, I guess I don't even know where to start because it's, uh, it's a weird topic because of the hitters we're talking about. Would you consider lineup changes at all? Like, uh, in terms Yeah,
1: of- I'm glad you asked this question because I've seen on Twitter, I'm sure you have too. There's been a lot of discussion about Riley staying so low in the lineup with the way he's hitting. That's one thing. Uh, I, you know, I, I have a hard time arguing for Dansby ahead of Austin Riley right now. In the lineup, yeah, yeah, like the, the, that. That's the that's the move that seems the yeah. one to make the most sense. And I, I, honestly, we're. Not, I'm not too reactionary. Honestly, I I try not to be, especially with the lineup. I tend to go with, um, like history slash like what their real baseline is most of the time. But it's really hard to look at the lineup after the last week and a half, two weeks, and see Riley hit eighth today or whatever he hit. It was like, all right, that's seems a little bit. And I again, I actually applaud on some level snicker for not overreacting and having him hit fifth just like right right away but it's just a little bit interesting to see that
2: yeah and again like it's it's a weird situation because you see kind of guys who are coming out of it and you want to get those guys at bats but you know like you know Freddie has like had a, he's had a bit of a rut over like the last week or so like in terms of offensively other than he had like a good game early, uh, a couple games early in the week but he's also kind of like been in this like you know like five game skid and you know he's had, he had some really rough at bats uh, over the last couple days and, you know, you see Ozuna, who hasn't really hit much this year at all. Um, you know, you, those guys, I still think, belong, you know, 2-3, because I think that those guys come out of it. But after you after that, it seems a little bit more, like, a little bit more speculative. And when you have guys like Ozzy and, you know, Austin kind of really coming out of their show, like, is that something that should be entertained? And I, I think that the obvious move is to move Dansby down a bit, because not only has Austin been raking, but Dansby is very not. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, there's some other guys who have been, you know, struggling, and one in particular that we're going to talk about when he was injured. Uh, you know, that kind of that problem, quote unquote, took care of itself, uh, but kind of created its own separate problem. Um, it's you know, in in Darno, so I'm, it's it's an interesting problem to solve, I think, because again, you got want when you're when you're struggling, you want to kind of maximize what you have going for you. But I'm not sure if necessarily like messing with Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna, who I think I am comfortable saying, you know, along with Ronald are your three best hitters on your team. Uh, beyond that, though, like I could see some kind of weird lineups, you know, with Austin and maybe even Ozzy kind of getting switched around, moved around, depending on what, you know, what pitchers are going they're going up against and, you know, what they think would work. And just kind of trying to get something else going and just maximizing things because, you know, this is the team kind of looking for answers right now.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, on the positive side, you could say with Dansby, he had three multi-hit games this week. That's a positive. He also had a bunch of offers in the middle of the week. So it's like pros and cons. And I think both can be true between Dansby is better than this. And also, we don't know how good Dansby is. Those those are both kind of. Yeah, he does
2: not. He he does not have the track record in the past to make you go, you know, just trust us, you know, dance. We need to be batting fifth. Every right.
1: Especially yeah. like to your point about Ozuna, especially, you know, Freddie's Freddie, he's not going anywhere. And he's, even when he's had kind of a slow start for him, he's still been like good. I think it's like 114 WRC plus, despite a quote unquote, slow start. He's, he's Freddie Freeman. He's fine. Ozuna is currently having the worst, worst year of his career. Like no one should think that's real. Like, right. We'd we said this right. before the season started, but that. Ozuna was not, he was not going to repeat last year. He was going to have some regression, but not this. Like, no one, I don't think anybody could look at Ozuna and assume this is real. So, he should stay where he is, too. I'm with you, though. Like, as long, especially the longer this goes, and you're hoping it does go longer between, especially for Riley, if he stays, th- not, not even this good, but like pretty good for a while, you got to hit him a little higher than he's been hitting. And Dansby right now is kind of unquestionably. Not great. Of course, now you have multiple other options that you don't maybe love. And we're gonna talk about Contreras later on. I know I know you're excited about that on some level, but you know, well, pa-
2: yeah, I mean, in, in a certain respect, I don't think the well, circumstances- obviously, not not
1: not 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 losing Arno, but just Contreras might might hit. I mean, that's that's in that's in play. But on nights where like you know now you have Pache back, that's good. But his bats a question mark for sure. And on a night when you might see Jeff Mathis, like he's got to hit eighth or ninth because we know what he is. So the lineup is like. You know, I think it's it's been better recently. I agree with you, though. It's a question, at the very least, you kind of need to, if Riley continues this, bump him up a little bit. I, I think I'd still trust Ozzy more in a vacuum than Austin Riley, which shouldn't be a hot take. Ozzy is like a borderline star, but uh maybe have him hit 4th, 5th. <sighs> Along uh, with Riley? Uh, 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 I don't know. We'll
2: see. We'll see. I was, I was about to say because the the lineups that are the most interesting to me with those two guys in particular are against lefties. What is your ideal lineup right now against the lefty?
1: I mean, both I mean, of those like, guys. Top, rake. Top, top, top. Yeah. So, so top
2: three stays. Top, top three stay the same. Well, the probably, top, right? I think
1: that's I think the top three stays the same. Um, yep. Against the lefty, I I, I still probably go Ozzy I, I would say I, I would say Aussie four, Riley five. I think at yeah. this very moment. But I like, mean, you, yeah, I'm on the same.
2: I'm on the same page. With well, you, well, you know I mean, what you
1: mean? think about the other. Op- so from there, by the way, your, your other options. You have Dansby, you have the catcher spot, and Pache. Um, that those three are the ones you just don't know what you're getting. Like we, we all are excited about Contreras' bat, but who knows at the major league level right now? I think he probably will hit a little bit, but those three have to be. I think right now you're six, seven, eight in the lineup in some order. And you're hoping Dan's be six, of course, because he has a little bit of a higher baseline. But yeah. it's, and it's I, and not I think pretty.
2: That, I think I think that in days when Contreras is, I think Contreras bats like seventh and then Pache's is pretty firmly eighth on days where Jeff Mathis isn't hitting.
1: Yeah, Jeff Mathis is Jeff- obviously hitting eighth. If he's if he's ever playing starting, he's either hitting eighth or ninth. Like, and, and ninth is and, obviously and, in a DH situation like it would have been this weekend uh, against Toronto. Right. But yeah, he's he is unquestionably... The worst hitter on the roster. I don't want to pile on Jeff Mathis. We'll come back to this later on. But yeah, you're hoping Dancewood gets out of this and then it becomes easy. Then you have a, a your firm top six and then it's two spots you're talking about with Contreras and Pache or Mathis and Pache or whatever you want to say. So, but yeah, I agree. I, as long as Riley looks not even like this, but close to like this, he has to hit ahead of those guys just because of the talent level with the bat. Yeah. You would think. Great. So and I said as someone who's been skeptical of them in the past, and I think I still am more than some, but undeniably he's been awesome for like two weeks now. So hopefully that continues. Um I guess we'll get into uh and oh, by the way, just for some numbers before I forget to say this, Riley after today is up to a one forty six WRC plus. Which is good? given where he was that- like two and a half weeks ago, he was like in the fifties. So he I think he added yep. almost a hundred points of WRC plus in two weeks, which is Wow, his slash line three twenty nine, four thirty one, four thirty one, and uh, known plate disciplinarian Austin Riley. I mean, that, that's he's, the crazy he's, one. He's to drawn walk.
2: He's getting hit by a bunch of pitches too, man. Like that. That I, I cringe every time now because like when he's one of the better hitters on the team, and like you know he gets drilled by something, I'm like, please, just not another injury. Well, the, like, cr-
1: just, yeah, ag- agreed for sure. But the, the crazy one is the on base because the slugging isn't even out of this world. Like. The, the book on Riley is that he's this big power guy that has some other holes. So you would expect him to have this big ISO when he's hot. And he kind of hasn't. Like, the power's fine. To, to, to be To be fair, he started off with nothing in
2: the power department. Like, oh, I actual agree. Nothing. I agree, like, but like, it's, it's just kind of like, funny was, to see was... that
1: line and just be like, oh, he's... He's got a little power, but if, if all you saw was his numbers and didn't know what Austin Riley was for this year, you'd be like, "All right, this guy's got a little bit of pop, not not a huge power guy." <laughs> Which is the
2: opposite. No, of I mean, I mean, is. you're right. And then you know, all of a sudden he, you know, that the one that he hit to like dead center from like a ball that was like four inches oh, off yeah. the ground or whatever. I was like, okay, he's, yeah, he's a okay, uh, he's a big strong, he he's figured. a big
1: strong individual. But yeah, he that's is. his numbers look great. Ozzy's now been hot. He's up to one eleven WRC plus. He also had a pretty low line before this. So again, the offense has been fine. Um and much better lately. So now we get into the weekend. Um a little little less positivity in this segment. Um so Heredia A little bit, yeah. Heredia gets hurt. Um he actually we didn't know he no. was hurt, but he, he sat Friday. They actually played Acuna in center and Adrianza in right on Friday. And then after that, they put Heredia on the on the I. L and brought Pache back up. So we we know now that Pache's gonna be the guy until he gets hurt or doesn't, um or you know, flames out or something like that. But he's he's the guy in center now. Um, Snicker did say that he's willing to play Cunha in center, but doesn't want to play him there all the time, which we've heard, but he said it again. So that's out there. Um, Drew Smiley. Let us spend a moment on Drew Smiley. Uh, Yeah.
2: We, we, maybe a couple moments. Yeah. So
1: last week I didn't like defend Drew Smiley, but I tried to like call off the dogs a little bit just because it was a small sample size and, uh, he had a, he had a better ERA through three starts than Max Fried did through three starts. So I wanted to point that out and kind of, damp it down a little bit and then he came out on friday and was horrendous again so i don't i don't have a justification here 11 base runners and only 12 outs that's a bad combination uh three home runs he's not hard all, to do he's now allowed nine home runs in 19 innings which is difficult to accomplish uh so i mean you guys know how i feel about this listen to this podcast regularly you'll know that i'm not a big guy i'm not a big like decide on this kind of sample guy but it's hard to look at drew smiley and be encouraged that's that's the kindest of way that I'll put this right now. It's hard to look at the, what he's done so far, and think, oh, this is definitely going to turn around. Because I, is it possible that he becomes okay? I think it is. I, I don't think the ship has absolutely sailed, but it's it's been bad, man. It's been really
2: bad, and you worry. Here's where my I'm th- thought about. He's he's like actively bad, right? Like it doesn't seem like you know he's getting like like just bad bad. But luck. like the the contact is loud. His command has been bad. Um, and you know, he just like, it's hard to find much. that's encouraging, you know, he's, we're not seeing kind of like strikeout numbers that make you go, you know, he could just, you know, maybe tweak some things and turn things around and, you know, all of a sudden he could, you know, put together some, uh, some, some quality starts for this team. Since he had to miss that start, I worry a bit and emphasis on a bit. And I will go ahead and say, now I did really like the Drew Smiley signing despite his injury history. Because again, one year one year deals, maybe you pay a little bit overpay a little bit on a one year deal to get the guy that you think has the most upside in kind of where you're where you're budgeting for uh, that rotation spot, right? And I, I didn't have a problem with it. I I, I like the gamble, but this guy does have an entry history. Yep. Of arm trouble, and he's already missed a start this month with some arm trouble. Now they ran him right back out there, like, oh well, he'll miss one start and he'll be fine, right? Whatever this is, is not fine. And I wonder a bit if that there's some issues with his arm that are unresolved, that are tamping down his stuff, affecting his command. And that explains at least some of what we're seeing. And if that's the case, I mean, ultimately that kind of depends on what the injury is. Um, you know, if he just, ha- if he really does have some inflammation and like, you know, maybe after a couple weeks that that goes down, like he, he has stuff that's good enough in swinging and swinging this stuff that, is worth keeping around, but you can't just run the white flag out there every time that he starts. And it feels like every time he starts, the Braves can't win.
1: Well, yeah, Uh, it has to be a short leash now. I mean, we're no one's well, at least I'm not saying I saw some questions and honestly, I understand. I understand the question. I saw a question, at least to me that was like, do the Braves just consider cutting drew smiley? And I think the answer to that is no right now. Um, Is it possible in three weeks that they could do that? Sure. Um, The money is spent though. You owe the money. Um, And Smiley does profile as someone who could potentially be like a a semi-interesting long reliever type. Like they probably would try that that before they just cut him. You know what I mean? They probably they probably just say, "All right, Drew, we're gonna bail on this for now. Let's try to get you ready to go like a little bit more max effort anything at a time and see if this works because he does have good stuff, but." I understand the question because he has been that bad in four starts. It is four starts. I mean, we don't like to panic about four starts, but I agree with you though. It's not looking like there are a bunch of signs. The peripheral, the numbers, don't look as bad as the eye test does. Like his strikeout to walk ratio is not good, but it's not a disaster. Other than the home run numbers, like everything else looks like reasonable compared to his previous baseline. It's just that the home run numbers do count, and he's not—he's missing badly. His velocity is fine, but it's a little bit lower than it was last year, where that was it was notably higher last year. That was something that was uh, encouraging when they signed him. It was like, oh, they found some start- velo, and now it's not there anymore.
2: Well, and, the, and if the velo is lower, and you're missing in the zone yeah, you versus missing out of the zone, yep. that's where your problem lies, right? Like, if you lose a take off your fastball, and you don't mean to pipe it down the mill against what the Braves are up against in real major league hitters, like, that like, that's not good. And it's
1: yeah, it's I a mean, tough situation. The concern is, and we said this at the anyone we want to sign him, we said this at the time. Essentially, Smiley has had injury stuff, but when he's been pitching, he's only had one bad season in his career when he's been pitching. It was 2019. 2019, he had the highest walk rate of his career, and he had by far the highest DRA. He was he was bad. He was below replacement level. He was terrible in twenty-one starts between two teams. Before that, it was injury stuff, but he was usually pretty good when he pitched. So that's kind of why, at least I thought, if he was healthy, he'd be pretty decent. The risk was the injury stuff. And right now, he might be hurt, to your point, but the combination of him actually making four starts in the month of April and still being this bad is not what I saw coming. <laughs> I-, I thought he'd either be available and pretty good or not available. Or not. <laughs> not uh, and he's all, uh, yeah. it's It's been the worst of both worlds because, you know, even for as shaky as guys like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson have been, they probably would have been better than this. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know. Bryce bought balking in that run. Yeah. Was Bryce like was, was,
2: was, was a, was a, was a pretty triggering moment for me.
1: It was bad, but listen, I understand everyone's venom on drew smiley. Like I know we defended the move. I still defend the move. I, I I'm one of those guys. that's like, I would it, have made the, it like it's process over it's not, results. I get that. And yeah, no correct, one's going to like that answer right now through four terrible starts. And again, no one is saying he's been good. He's been terrible. No, no one is saying otherwise. I just think that the, and this is something I'll I'll probably say every podcast, the nature of a one year, $11 million deal gets really overrated as terms of how damaging it could actually be. I guess the counterpoint would be if we knew, and this is the point that Scott's made, and I think you have as well, Eric, is that if we knew what the payroll was going to be when they signed the deal in November we might not have liked the deal as much. That's that's
2: that is a a very like, again, it's all in the context of the moves that you're making and kind of, you know, like percentage of payroll, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And the, the point that I, people keep tweeting me like, look at what all these really good starters that got traded for in the off season. The Braves didn't make those trades, you know, that, that sort of stuff. And, you know, for every you know one of those like you know these trades for guys who like are names that people recognize, like people are still wondering why Orlando Garcia isn't starting for the Braves right now, and it's because he was just in a trade. You know what I mean? When it was it was a uh, it was you know very obviously kind of a like a cleanup of the forty man roster move, right? And you know when a trade happens and a guy excels, those things kind of. Get amplified, but you know all those you know waiver claims and guys who you know used to be good but end up just you know being washed again and are already out of jobs and things like that. Those are things that we forget about. It, it's people have a short memory, and unfortunately, for in Smiley's case, you know he doesn't have any good tape this year nope. to people to point to to people to point to and go maybe you know maybe he's that guy again. You know he just had a couple you know a couple bad weeks. Like it's, it's like. There's not been a start where I'm like, he's looked good. Well, it's the I mean, bad it combination, too, long.
1: because last year, and it was it was a combination of a small sample size last year, and he was with the Giants. No one cared. So the numbers, we know what the numbers were, and they were incredible. Like, the peripherals were good. good. The There, were, there was a bad ball data that was good. Like, everything that was from last year only, again, small sample size, was pretty good. But nobody saw that. Like, no one cared. I mean, brace fans don't care about that. Um. So, yeah, it's we'll leave it here for now. It's just... The leash has to be short now. I think they probably know that. Like, this is the same team that had that had faulty throw one start last year before they parted ways with him away with him. So, and and
2: the the issue too is that with Bryce Wilson struggling, Kyle Wright struggling, who else do you, you have got? Well, that's just it. If the guys are in minor league camp. They're not stretched. You're not even stretched out yet.
1: Well, no, with you know, because, no Soroka, like you know, yeah, no Soroka. Thank God for Noah, because they'd be in a world of hurt without Enoa right now. But if you try to take Smiley out, yet yeah, to your point, there, like. Who do you want to th- throw? There's not a great internal option. Like I'm, I would argue, that's on, kind of, that's on the 40
2: man roster because like then you have to start like you know is Kyle Muller ready, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like that. that, that that's you, an you can do that
1: stuff, but I mean, yes, there's there's a little bit there's more machinations. I, I think what they would do is have Kyle Wright give it a shot first. Um, you could argue whether that's a good idea or not, but he's already he's around, and they would probably go there first. I would think right. Uh, but in, and maybe he'd be better. Maybe. maybe I'm sure we. I'm not sure he'd probably be better than what, the, what we've seen from Smiley so far, but um, all right, we'll leave it there for now. That's hideous. Um, so after the game Friday, that was the last game of the, that was the last game of the month of April, and at that point, for the month, the Braves had a 4.97 team ERA, worse than the National League, and it was not just the stars or the relievers; they were both bad. Starters 5.12 ERA, relievers 4.76. So not uh, good. Just to drive our point home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the pitching's been bad. I actually want to talk
2: about a a, a hitting matchup in particular because uh, this happened this week and uh, we haven't I can't believe I actually forgot it. Uh-oh. what were your thoughts when you saw Anthony Rizzo strike out Frederick Fre- strike out Frederick Freeman Did oh that was
1: funny I, yeah I should have I written that down I it was
2: hysterically funny
1: That was funny especially because in this, that was it was not the same game that they, they Noah know the home run I believe, I believe it was. Um, So in in the same game, you had Enoa hit a home run and Freeman strike out against Anthony Rizzo. So that's like the most can't predict baseball moment of all time. Uh, It was just funny. I mean, I saw a lot of like, ha ha Freddie Freeman stuff, which I I understand like kaying against Anthony Rizzo is not great. It's just a lot different than facing a regular pitcher. Like I I don't blame Freddie. Yeah.
2: When when the guy's throwing 60 and like
1: trying not to laugh, it was, (laughs) it didn't matter at all. The game was over. Like, yeah, I'm
2: sure he wasn't dialed in.
1: Is what I'll say. What
2: Watching Rizzo versus Freeman in anything, like the whole rundown thing too, where he was like, you know, Rizzo's like yelling, like mic up Rizzo every time they play against the Braves because, like, it's going to be high comedy at least two or three times a game, at least. Uh, like I, I, I actually really, really enjoyed that whole thing, and you know, it was, in, it was in good, it was in good fun. Uh, I know that some people were kind of like making fun of Freddie for like, you know, they couldn't believe that you know an MVP struck out against Rizzo or whatever, but you know, like ultimately, like that's sort of. That sort of fun stuff uh, really kind of, like, <laughs> helps, helps the levity what's been a weird season, <laughs> just to be yeah, sure. go baseball. Uh, and I, I, I did want to mention it because, again, it was something that uh, I, I, I like, probably of the whole week, other than, you e- know, hitting a home run, like, probably a highlight for me. Uh, it was just that, it was, it was, like, a really kind of a fun thing to happen.
1: No, I'm glad you said that because I forgot, but you're, that's a good point. It was That was an enjoyable moment in a win, which also makes it nice. Um, all right, two more games to hit on quickly here. Saturday was a 10-inning loss. And as referenced before, the Braves hit a Grand Slam. Pache, in his first plate appearance since April 13th, hits a Grand Slam in the first in the uh, second inning. But yep. they, lost anyway. they lost anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other run of the day for the Braves was a solo home run by Ronald Acuna. And the pitching staff let them down a little bit. They didn't score in the 10th, which is kind of what, you know, you, with the new rules, you can, I don't want to do the whole argument now, but you, you, you have to score, basically
2: the Braves have been in four extra inning games they have not scored the extra runner which is what you, you,
1: you have to score like you you can't I mean the baseline of giving yourself a chance is to get one run in, in your extra inning frame now and they just had, they can't for whatever reason can't do it and Nate Jones actually almost got out of it he got two outs and then gave up the game winner to Grichik. so uh, I guess the big thing from Saturday unfortunately is the injury to Travis Darno, which we'll talk about now um, he yeah. left the game with a left thumb injury Um he was then, um, basically, they, they they put him on the 60-day IL right out of the gate. So that, that's always scary, because 60-day IL is, you know, goes without saying, but that's, that, that means you're gone for two months at a bare minimum. And at the time, though, they still announced that it was a sprain with his thumb. And then after the game on Sunday, um, Bryce Dicker said that it's a torn ligament. For Darno in his thumb, so that's going to actually need surgery. He's not out for the season right now, but that is certainly a possible outcome from what I gather. But at a bare minimum, now he's definitely out two months and probably longer. That is obviously bad. He's not been good this year, but at the same time, he was awesome last year. Uh, he's a talented guy. The Braves needed him pretty badly. We talked about how important he was, and at the same time, they they put Alex Jackson on the IL too. And I, and I, I know Jackson has not hit and probably can't hit but you lose both your catchers that are on the team at the same time. So now you're left with Contreras and Jeff Mathis. Um, we'll pause now. Dude. Let's wait. <laughs> let's wait, wait. talk about Contreras and Mathis for a second. Let's just talk about Darno. Uh, how big of a loss is this? Because, you know, it goes without saying, but this is a guy who was the best catcher in baseball, or at least one of the two or three best catchers in baseball last year. And now he's gone for several months.
2: So he was a guy that I targeted coming into the year as a guy that was probably not going to, Meet the, expe- meet the expectations that he put up last year. Uh, and I think that was just kind of like an impossible baseline. I just don't think he was going to be the guy that was going to, you know, like hit 300, hit a bunch of bombs, and be like one of the best hitters in the lineup, batting cleanup or whatever. But he was he was good. And more importantly, I think, with this team, is that he, he was the team that was managing the pitching staff. Now, admittedly, the pitching staff has been quite bad. But I do think that, you know, kind of disruptions like this to your catching core when you also lose Jackson – who again? He's been catching Enoa, and he's looked good doing so. Uh, you know, at least behind the plate. You know, maybe not at it. He's he's looked really bad at the plate. But you know, those are things that like you get concerned about a little bit, especially since it's not like your you know your pitchers have already been struggling, and now they're gonna have to kind of get used to receiving from uh, like another catcher, another two catchers. Um, the one thing I like about Mathis, uh, Mathis was signed to a minor league deal and I, considering Contreras was around and Jackson was around, I just didn't see him playing catcher in the major leagues this year. Um, and he's trying to, he's trying to transition to a coaching position, right? So, you know, all of a sudden he's up in the big leagues and he's going to start every now and again, the people who were tweeting at me saying that Jeff Mathis was going to be our starting catcher a lot. No. uh, Like really need to kind of. Take a step back and understand that how stupid of a thing that they were saying. Well, that won't. Ha- it but, just
1: won't happen. I mean, pra- practically, no, practically speaking, they're not going to have Contreras up and not play. Like if they, if they had yeah, gone to like play. somebody else, he's, he's, then sure. But Contreras going to play. Now if
2: now if Contreras gets hurt, we're yeah. going to get in some real weird situations. But let's just not put that evil out there right now. I'm going to go ahead and knock on some wood right now. Gotta do that. But yeah, um, you know, in Mathis's case, he doesn't know the p- pitching staff very well. Uh, just because he hasn't been around. But kind of having your your catching platoon mate also be kind of like a really well-respected catching mind, uh, kind of has a coaching mindset already in place. Having that kind of guy for Contreras, I think, is a positive development. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I, the, under, the understanding is that Flowers is still kind of around helping the team in some sort of role. But, you know, and people were like talking about, go sign Flowers. And I'm like, I just don't I mean like signing, like Tyler Flowers and Jeff Mathis aren't, that appreciably different oh in terms of come on okay. okay hold on pause okay pause, no, you, uh,
1: pause. yes that yeah, might be that might be true i will just say this there is no chance jeff mathis is going to hit tyler None. flowers is not likely to hit if he were to play right now but the bat is Defe- the bat is De- Defense
2: defensively who would you prefer mathis probably
1: or mathis. mathis because he's safer uh, because of the lack of, you know, run prevent. I'm not running prevention Let, kind of stuff. Now,
2: let's be clear in this discussion. Neither are going to be very valuable. No, uh, I, I totally agree. And, and, totally Flower, agree. And, and Flowers, like, is
1: not actually playing. At least Mathis was, like, playing in minor leagues. He, he was right? around. <laughs> and, then, and honestly, to your, I, I want to back you up here. Mathis, it can't be overstated. There's a reason Mathis has been around for a long time, and it's not as bad. He's, like, yeah. kind of a legendary receiver slash, you know, game calling guy. You can laugh about maybe that's overrated, but the guy is 38. He's literally never hit and he's still around no, because except, everyone except, swears except, by him defensively. Except against the Braves. He, he did, he did well, seem to constantly, I mean, <laughs> them, him, him and pitchers. I don't want to, I don't want to talk, I don't want to overstate it, but his career, this is his career. No, again, he's 38 years old. He's been around for a long, long time. He has yep, a career forever. five years. 53 OPS. It's not good, Brad. In 3000 plate appearances, Eric, this is not a small sample size <laughs> that's guy. It's
2: a lot of plate appearances to give a guy with a 46. That's support. what
1: I mean. I mean, do you know how good your rep has to be defensively to play as much as he has played and hit like this? So that mean, he's 38 years that, old. That, so it might be real. over, but man, I mean, there's a rep and then there's Jeff Mathis. Like he's, he's been a wonder forever. even before the brave stuff. He's like a, National baseball point of interest, like podcasts that talk about weird stuff, like effectively while like loves Jeff Mathis. There's stuff about this. He's a very, very, very outlier weird player. So that's kind of fun in some ways, but man, he can't hit. Like he can't hit. So no, no, he, it no, has he to not. be Contreras. You know, you, you obviously you can't play Contreras every single day. Nobody catches every day. So you're gonna have to see Jeff Mathis catch every once in a while. But um, to your point there. Long long story short, Contreras has to play a lot. Uh, he actually might be able to hit, and I want to ask you because you are a prospect guy in the way that I am not. I know what kind of the book is on Contreras, but for people that don't know him, um, tell people what they can expect. Obviously, it's still a, hes basically a rookie, so you're you're trying to figure out what you're going to get from a rookie. Is that that's always tough? But what's the profile like for him? So uh, he's—I
2: mean, in, at the plate, he's a guy that has some power. Uh, will kind of be more of a guy that hits hard doubles. Uh, and then, you know, kind of hitting for a bunch of home runs, you know, and he'll hit for a bit of average, too. So, you know, like kind of like a the type of guy, it's like, you know, like a 260 hitter. And we'll hit some home runs, but we'll like, you know, we'll give you some extra base hits, uh, has pretty good plate discipline. And he's he is very, I would say he is good behind the plate. It's hard to call him like a great or like particularly gifted defensive catcher, because one, I don't think that that's something that he's really been tested at. Uh, in the minor leagues, you know, guys aren't just really running in the minor leagues. And, you know, in terms of, like, picking guys off, he's not doing things like Shea Langoliers does where, like, he's picking guys off at first because, you know, these young guys just have no idea what they're doing. But he's a guy that moves well behind the plate, you know, has gotten better each year behind the plate, works at it. Um, and, you know, offensively, I think he will be a perfectly reasonable hitter. You know, and, like, in today's game, he had an RBI single, and he you know, drew a walk. And, you know, if you're getting that from your catcher, that's that's plenty. That is perfectly fine. Um, you know, and again, the concern I have is just kind of getting reps with the pitchers and under, you know, kind of understanding game calling and things like that. But that's the case with any young catcher. I don't think that any catcher comes up and like immediately has it all figured out from a game calling perspective. That's one thing that, you know, that's why veteran catchers like Mathis are so highly regarded is that not only do they understand how to deal with the pitchers they have, but they understand they, they've been around so long that they know how to pitch to guys. And they can be a part of those game planning discussions. And just in Contreras' case, he doesn't have that game experience against a lot of these guys. So uh, one of the reasons I like having Mattis around, he kind of like almost has like an assistant pitching coach type thing to it, is to kind of help with game planning, kind of help with understanding kind of how to manage his pitching staff. But you know, I think he'll hit. I don't think you know it, since he is a rookie, you know, I, I'm not going to like put a, like a like a label to kind of what to expect, average or OPS wise or anything like that, because you know ultimately you kind of prove that at the major league level. But, you know, he's a guy that, like, we liked him better than Langlier's. Uh, We had him ranked one higher, but, you know, they were kind of in that same general tier. He's not going to be embarrassing in either aspect of the game. I feel comfortable saying that. Beyond that, you know, it's kind of wait and see. At the end of the day, he was in minor league camp 24 hours ago. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, know, and now well, he's like. By the way, it's yeah, like now, it's hey Kyle William, Starr, you're, you're the starter. Catcher. Yeah, yeah, you're the your primary catcher. I mean, he he basically just had to jump in to a really impossible situation, and you know he he helped score the Braves' first run of the game. So you know, well, I'm and, not sure well yeah, he did he did fine.
1: Yeah, and for some from for some more background, you know, we both talked about this, and I know you have on Road to Atlanta and other places. The reason why Contreras was not on the big league club before today was not because he wasn't better than Alex Jackson. It was because they wanted him to play every day. Correct. Basically. Just to say that out loud. So Jackson, we kind of know, can't hit at this point, but he was the backup catcher. And the backup catcher, there was no there was no reason, I think this is something I think you've said, I know I've said it, that there was no reason to have Contreras up playing one and a half times a week. That didn't make a lot of sense. Now that so, he's going to play five times a week... Sure. Yeah, like he's sense. he's yeah, an obvious sure. guy. He's the, you know, he, you know, he had 10 play appearances last year in the major leagues. He was four of 10. We'll take whatever you will from that. But he's obviously very talented. I, I trust you and the minor league staff a lot more than myself on this, but he's a pretty highly regarded guy. He's 23. He's talented. Is he going to, is he likely to come up and, you know, have a 140 diversity plus? No, but he maybe could do that for a couple of weeks and plug the hole. And honestly, this isn't, this is an injury. Not to be not to be too negative about it, but it wouldn't stun me if Darno didn't play this year again. Based on what the way they were talking, like I'm not saying yeah, it's definitely going to happen, but you need well you, yeah you, you just need a mean. you need ceiling guy you you need some guys who can like actually come in now and conceivably there's a world maybe I'm wrong but you can correct me there's a world in which Contreras is like an average starting catcher this season and that would be a huge win based on the I, fact that you just lost Darno.
2: I, I could see that. I mean, like, there's there's a chance that he's an above-average guy. Like, he has to hit really hit to do that. And, again, when, when we're talking about rookies, it's just kind of that's a hard ask of any guy, right. uh, regardless of talent level. Uh, but, you know, like, that that's something that could happen. Uh, it's entirely possible we won't see Travis Darnot play in a Braves uniform again. He's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, to your yeah. – yeah, I mean, yeah, that was – I, mean, I, like,
1: I should have said that out loud, but you're right. I mean, this he's – it was a two-year deal. This is year two. So, you have to have a plan long-term, and Contreras was – I think, always, I, mean, it's, I guess there's like a battle between Keturis and Langoliers as to who's going to be the guy of the future. Is that what people have kind of argued about in your circles? Like, who's the guy between those two? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you
2: know, there's the defensive acumen in terms of like controlling a running game and, you know, like kind of the the, the skill set that Langoliers has behind the plate, which is a rare thing. But, you know, he, did, he didn't call his own games when he was in college. And, you know, that's something that you, I am firmly believe that you need reps for to be good at. Um, and, you know... Th- but I think that I would say most people think that Contreras' bat is better than Langley's. Uh And they, I certainly don't think that people think that Contreras' is bad behind the plate. So it's it's very close, right? Now, to get back to the point that you were making is that, you know, the reason why that Contreras wasn't up was that he wasn't going to be playing enough. My point was that I would have put Contreras on the roster, but I also would have been playing – I would have been splitting time with Darno because I was just a little bit lower on Darneau repeating what he did. I think that that experience would have been valuable for Contreras and also takes the wear and tear off of Darno, kind of going into the postseason because he certainly, uh, you know, he certainly seemed after that Marlins series where he went wild, you know, he seemed like he was certainly pretty tired and, you know, he's not the youngest guy in the world. Now, I don't think his injury was a, like a wear and tear thing. I think that, you know, it's kind of a freak thing that happens on a play at the plate on his non-throwing hand. Uh, now, to get back to whether or not we'll see him again this year, the thing he does have going for him is that it is on his left thumb. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, if it was his throwing hand, you know the rehab's a little bit different. But you know he still has to bat, and you know it just depends on how the rehab goes and all that. And if you're the Braves and Contreras is playing well, even if Darno's like recovery is going well, I mean maybe you you have to probably activate him. But I mean like how much playing time are you gonna take away from Contreras if he's playing well if Darno comes back after a long, what's going to be a long layoff? I mean getting put on the sixty day immediately means like he doesn't have like a slight tear in his thumb like it's like you know there, there's going to be a real repair that has to be done yeah, i mean
1: and, i mean conservatively you would say the earliest we'll see him is post all-star break and that's just doing yeah. the 60-day math you would imagine it's going to be like august i well, mean
2: at the i would say at the earliest based yeah. on what
1: i read i'm mean, I, again we're we're i not. don't know i don't know i
2: don't know enough about like we don't we don't know the extent <laughs> we don't know the extent of the the, the the damage which is an important consideration and frankly the braves might not know all of it because you know there's probably a lot of swelling i mean like that's probably one of the reasons why they just called it a sprain to begin with i mean like they'll obviously know something severe is wrong but to get it fixed you know like sometimes you have to go in and re- like you know, maybe there's like maybe they 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 find like there's a fracture there or something or there's more than one ligament tear or you know, like you know, there's more damage. They have to do a little more reconstruction. These are all things that happen when you go under the knife and you ha- realize you know there's a really significant injury. We'll find, we'll probably find that out over the course of the next week or two, as to kind of you know how you know how the surgery went and all yeah, that other they'll, stuff. Yeah, they'll
1: start leaking stuff. And I, I know I agree with you, by the way, that it's the fact that this is left thumb is much better. And it may not sound like a lot to have it's just a th- you know, quote-unquote just a thumb but like think about trying to spring a bat without without your left thumb like you, you can't you can't do it <laughs> so or or receiving 98 mile an hour catches with a sore thumb. so like yeah. it's, it's better it's better that it's this left thumb but if you're a catcher and you have to try to hit for your living it still really matters like i, I saw at least a couple people like wow this is a long time for a thumb sprain it's like well uh, I mean, number one, it's not a sprain now. It's, it's torn. But... Yeah. Well, w- once, once we saw 60 day IL, they just put some, they put some sort of injury
2: designation on it, but it was very clear that surgery was very much. All, yeah. All of us had the same reaction yeah. at
1: the same time. It was like 60 day. I, I, you don't often see them go immediately to 60 day IL the next day. That's, that's a red flag at a bare minimum to be like, okay, going to be a while anyway. So Contreras, our hopes are high. Uh, I think he is a better option than most MLB Close would have in this spot? Does that seem about right to you? mile, yeah. You know, you're losing a... What I would say is projected to be like a top 10 or 12 catcher in the league coming into the the season in Darno. Even with some regression, this is a point that we uh, make all the time on this podcast, catcher is... The baseline's pretty low for catcher. So Darno is, even conservatively, an above-average catcher. Losing that guy and having Contreras ready to go um, and not be, like, we don't think he'll be overwhelmed... Is a pretty big luxury and a nice thing for the Braves to have, but it's still a loss. So the team is worse. Than, the team is worse on paper than they were yesterday. That's 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 unfortunate, obviously. And for no, I mean, he had this awesome le- year last year, couldn't cash in on it because he wasn't a free agent, and now he gets hurt in year two. That sucks. So hopefully he goes back later on and gets back. But as far as the season is concerned, this hopefully won't sink the Braves. We think the trade will be pretty good so keep an eye out keep an eye out and obviously we'll talk about him more often i think you guys have probably brought I, I know for a fact murder atlanta has discussed Contreras quite a bit in the uh in the past he
2: time. has he has featured he has featured prominently in our conversations uh you know kind of this this week it's gonna be kind of you know the minor leagues kind of opening back up it's kind of a focus there but it's time know. it's time eric yeah it's, it's, it's time. time i'm i am i am so happy you have no oh it's it's been way, way too long. I'm been just getting all those, all the travel arrangements already starting to get lined up, and you know, media stuff. And it's just, it's I'm so happy to be talking about minor league baseball again. <laughs> it's, it's it, like it's you coming. have no idea. It's no, really I mean,
1: and honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, reading and listening, even to all the content that's going to be coming. So that's on the way. So just PSA for everybody: minor league baseball coming soon. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, we talked about this a little bit at the top, but even with the Braves at 12 and 16 two back in the NL least. Yep. So Somehow. as much as we have been relatively negative about the team, not too not too not too much of negativity today, but it's pretty fortunate to be as bad as they've been kind of have been snake bitten so far and you look up on May 2nd into May 3rd and you're two back in the division. So part of that is a a credit or a waste, maybe a not maybe not a credit a debit to the National Yeast for being brutal so far. But on the flip side, five thirty-eight. It's only one, but they they, they uh, update in real time. They project the Braves at eighty-two and eighty right now, which is pretty low. Uh, I go over on that, I think, but I also understand it. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure what, what what the question is, Eric. But the Braves are two back to start May, and that feels manageable in a way that they probably don't deserve it to be manageable. Like when, when you do, you start twelve and sixteen, you're, you're almost supposed to be down like five games, and they're only down and they're only, only down by two.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird season. I mean, like if you look at the top of the standings across the league, there's a bunch of teams that you know, frankly, no one thought was going to be there. I mean, the Kansas City Royals, being you know a first place baseball club, is you know
1: <laughs> go go Royals. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, great example of that, by the way. The Marlins currently lead the National League East in run differential, yep. comfortably, yep. and they're in last. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Baseball. Uh,
2: we, we, you know, and like, look, the Braves have lost a lot of like they've lost four extra inning games, they've lost a bunch of one run games. And, you know, they haven't been as far off from being and putting together a pretty decent record as, you know, some would think. And I think that for as much as this has gone wrong for the Braves, like losing at times, like a majority of their rotation and like half their lineup to injuries uh, and like other guys just not hitting or, you know, just not performing really well and not really having right handers out of the bullpen to speak of that have been particularly helpful. You know, it's, that they're 12 and where they're at right now to get 12 wins is actually a little bit kind of remarkable in some ways. So I, I this team's better than that. I, I would definitely go over on the 82 and 80. I think that, you know, maybe I have to adjust down expectations a little bit because they've, they've to be blunt, they've already banked 16 losses. You know what I mean? Like you could, that's the well problem with. because e- even yeah. to
1: get to 82 and 80, you know, not, I know you know this, but if you do the simple math there, they have to go, you know, 72 and fifth. No, what is it? So i am trying to do the math in my head and this is bad. Um,
2: 72 and 64
1: yeah yeah so something like that that's that's not an incredible pace but it's also eight games over 500 so you just do the math on 82 and 80 sounds really pessimistic and i agree that it's pessimistic but i also get why you would project that given that the team is 12 and 16 so i go higher than that i've but, but something that Scott and i thought about last week but the problem with 12, starting 12 and 16 is that you probably aren't going to win 90, 98 games this year. Like that, or Some of those high-end outcomes are probably not on the table. I say probably. They're not definitely off the table. But it's hard they're to certainly get. A, it's hard it's to, certainly
2: get, a lot harder. And yeah. It's hard, especially when the problems that you have on the pitching side, like, some of it doesn't maybe doesn't look fluky. Like, in some respects, right? Like, Soroka isn't going to be back until June. Like, he's just not. Um, you know he's oh, no. he's throwing again. He's throwing again. That's great. That's a
1: positive sign. Yes.
2: Uh, and you know, but you know, when you have like again, I I haven't like again with guys like Minter and Will Smith. Those guys have looked good, but we also have like the you know when Sean Newcomb comes out and he can't seem to get out to save his life. He. Oh, his, honestly, his, I'm, his, I'm appearance, so... his appearance today was so frustrating. Those two like the first two batters he faced in that inning, he got 0-2 after two pitches to both of them. The first guy somehow got an 11-pitch at bat and got on base, and the other guy, Stimmian, hit a two-run homer. And he just can't he can't he can't command his pitches and
1: I'm so sad because You can't finish you, you, guys. It's You know, you know I'm I've always been pro Nukem in the bullpen, and he had this awesome start and then he got hurt and it was like, oh man, he was he was he was figuring it out. Well, and it now, was COVID, but and yeah. now he comes and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hurt being out, but he comes back and it's it's not it's not going so well so far. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the pitching stuff to bring things full circle on this podcast is a concern. Uh, on the bright side, Max Freed scheduled to pitch on Wednesday, so that's hopefully that's hopefully it's
2: twenty, 20 nineteen or twenty twenty Freed, not
1: yeah, he was very bad. Pre-injury, yeah. so that's worth yeah. saying out loud. Yeah. But they play the Nationals for three games um, after an off day on Monday. By the way. This, is, this is starting Tuesday. They play oh, the Nationals oh, three oh, times. We're not, we're not a good baseball team. They're not great, although they win. A, they're leading the division right now. <laughs>
2: I, 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 I will. I will die on that hill. Man. I, I, I think. I think they're. Yeah, I,
1: think that, I, think they're better, I think they're better than you think they are. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with you generally. Um, then three with Philly. So a full NL East week, um, and the stakes are rising at, with every passing day. You know that that old adage of don't look at the standings until Memorial Day. Um, I encourage people to, to kind of do that right now. Uh, even even though, we, even though we talked about it a lot on this podcast, like they've got some leeway here and all you got to do, this is not, it's not always this easy, but if you go out and win five of these next six against NL least opponents, you're feeling great. Or if you, if you, if you go four and two, like do, just do some work this week on the flip side, you go one and five and the sky is falling. So the stakes in divisional games against, I would call them decent opponents. Uh, and rivals are high. Free coming back is huge, though. Like, it's this is very simple to say, but I'll say it anyway. The Atlanta Braves are not capable of winning the World Series this season if Max Freed is bad.
2: That seems fair. That does seem fair.
1: It's probably a little bit hot takey, but if if if, if he's bad, bad, <laughs> yeah. Like, so then, I mean, yeah, it's
2: gonna be very hard. Yeah.
1: Yes, they have. Charlie Morton, who's been you know a little bit a little bit off and on, I trust Charlie Morton. You f- hope Soroka comes back, um, and then he know has been a nice flash so far. All that stuff, you know, Anderson's been really good at times. I, I just think that uh, me saying that was a way to just illustrate how important Max Fried is. They they just cannot afford, on top of all their other issues with the pitching staff, they cannot afford Max Fried to either be out or bad. He has to be. Maybe not last year, Max free who was just, like, top five in Cy Young voting for part of the season. But, like, he has to be pretty, pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, because, the, the you know, you don't want to get in. You can already get in some skids, as we've seen, where your pitching is just really struggling for, you know, three or four days at a time. Well, the, the depth is not there. It's not there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Not there. yeah. I mean, you're talking yeah, about you Wright to, and to. Smiley and Wilson and, again, God bless you, Noah. But we talked about with Smiley. This is this is assuming Freed was pitching. We were already having a trouble quote unquote replacing Smiley. If Freed's not there, like it's dire. Like we're back to not quite last year because you still have Anderson and uh, Morton. That's helpful, but it starts to get to where you have three starters again. And last year they had one starter for half the season, but. It, they they need they need free to be good. and and, the, and probably the best bullpen in baseball. Well, and they don't have that have anymore. Yeah, to your point. I nope. mean, they don't have that anymore. They they're actually. I think the I think the bullpen in some circles has been a little bit more maligned than it should have been. The bullpen's been like fine, not good, but that was the problem. We talked about this in the, in the preseason, not to judge it all up, but the concern it's maybe the word that I'll use with the bullpen was that it was projected to be more like pretty good instead of awesome. And that's a big difference. Like yeah, they... and, then,
2: and then they've had to go out and give regular appearances to Jesse Biddle and Nate Jones. Oh, Nate Jones. Have not, no have no, not no one
1: good. is enjoying Nate Jones. Experience. I mean, all, all no. respect to Nate Jones, well, the, no the, one's enjoying that right now.
2: No one. And, and Luke Jackson is getting high leverage situations, which has not been good for my blood pressure whatsoever. Uh, he gets out of it more than he does, more than he doesn't. I completely understand that. But, you know, other than that George Springer home run that I'm not sure has landed yet. Um. That's yeah, like pretty
1: pretty, unlikely, pretty unlucky for the Braves to have George Springer come back um, for the first time this season against the Braves this weekend. That was unfortunate. He's pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: As a George <laughs> Springer fantasy manager, uh, it was nice to have him back, but not, uh, not in this situation. Okay. Well, Eric, we, we've covered lots of ground. Uh, feel free to plug anything you want. I know we talked about it a second ago, but it's worth emphasizing once again. Minor League Baseball is coming very, very soon. And we have all kinds of written content I know coming in addition to the podcast that shares this feed, Road to Atlanta. So please plug all that and whatever else you want.
2: I will happily do so. Uh, So, a quick note this year. Uh, one big change is that there are no games on Monday nights throughout the minor leagues this year so there's no recaps going up on Tuesday mornings as a result so what we're doing is I have to ask you that, why
1: by the way do you know why because I, 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 I don't I think it was I think it was
2: just a combination of making travel more consistent across the board with oh, some okay. weird divisional alignments sure uh, and just kind of just aligning up the like you know call-up days and you know things like that. I, I think it was some considerations, maybe with like health and safety protocols, like, you know, like having a consistent, this is the day we we'll clean type stuff. Gotcha. Uh, I, 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 the short answer is I think there's a lot of factors that went into it. Uh, and I I don't hate it if it's kind of uniform. You know what I mean? If it's like, you know, like one team constantly has the same days off and oh, others, yeah. you know, don't. But it, you know, I have that built in day off. Maybe that allows them to do some other things with scheduling if there's rainouts, et cetera, et cetera, makeup games, uh, especially if like there's like, you know, like COVID outbreaks and things like that. So, uh, but the short answer is that every Tuesday morning, our own Wayne Cavati is going to be doing a week ahead type post where we're going to be kind of like, you know, these are the, the, the pitching matchups that you're really going to be wanting to watch. These are kind of like the, the things to kind of be looking out for in terms of trending new prospects and things like that. He's really excited to be able to, wrote, to write that. Uh, he he claimed the, the Monday night, uh, recaps, uh, And then we remembered that you know this that scheduling wrinkle had happened, so he's actually excited (laughs) to kind of do something a little bit different. Um, Also, our own Garrett Spain is currently working on minor league baseball roster previews. Uh, Been a little bit difficult considering that the Braves have been one of the last teams to release their minor league rosters, but uh, through some finagling and you know basically berating people in the organization, I've been able to get some. Yeah, some a, a little bit of reporting is to kind of what we can expect for uh, rosters. Uh, by the way, for our listeners out there, you may want to be watching the Rome Braves play this year. Uh, that, uh, from what we know so far, that's going to be a really fun roster to watch. Uh, I am going to be going to Augusta, the Braves newest affiliate on Wednesday for their opening series. Uh, not their opening, uh, opening night. There's frankly, the crowd's gonna be a little bit too nuts for me. Uh, even if I wasn't concerned too much about the health and safety stuff, that's just too many people to deal with. So if you're in the Augusta area and you're a listener and you happen to be going to that game, you know, make sure you shoot me a tweet and I might come say hi. Um, so that's gonna be kind of my trip. I know that uh, there's some talk of maybe one of the guys going to Gwinnett uh, at some point uh, soon. I'm gonna be going to Rome as soon as they're they, they as soon as they're back in town. They're on the road. Uh, recaps are gonna be going up, so you're gonna have roster previews. You're gonna have the kind of the week ahead posts. Uh, road to Atlanta will be happening. I'm kind of wanna once we actually have rosters, we will record that. Um, it'll that'll be sometime this week. Uh, I have a podcast uh, with one Matt Chernoff that is going up tomorrow. That is when we talk about prospects. So you can kind of get a little bit of some of my thoughts going into the season there as well. Uh, recaps are starting to going up. Uh, I'm really looking forward to those. That first blast of comments from readers uh, the, every time that there's uh, the first recap of the year it seems like people are really excited to kind of get to seeing those again because those were kind of like staple posts for Talking Chop for the first five years I was here. And you know, last year not being around, it's been frankly kind of heartbreaking to not have those up each each day. So uh, a little bit of a different look this year with only four, four affiliates throughout the entire year. Uh, There's certainly going to be some changes, but we're really happy to kind of get back at it because minor league baseball is kind of built into my DNA as to kind of how to cover the team and what I enjoy most about baseball. So really kind of excited to kind of get back out of the fields, you know, following guys and kind of actually seeing some actual development rather than just kind of guessing and hoping we can kind of figure out what's going on with
1: guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've always said this, but I'm not a huge consumer of minor league baseball in terms of actually watching it. I just don't have time. So I rely heavily on you guys to do the work for me and teach me stuff, which I always appreciate. And I know a lot of people have that same relationship that rely on Talkie Chop to learn lots of stuff about prospects. And there are other places that do this. Like, you know, David Lee's been awesome, and there are other people that do this. But I uh, I trust you guys, and I think it's, I speak for the more casual minor league fan when I say it's an invaluable resource. So check out all that stuff. I am hugely biased for sure, but it's it really is awesome to have those recaps in a, in a concise place in one, in one way, and also the podcast, Road to Atlanta. A little bit more room for you guys to spread out, spread your wings, and argue a little bit. You know, Garav, the takesman that he is, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> the the takesman, yeah, the takesman yeah. that he is, and there's all. It's, it's it's a fun show. So, and by the way, two podcasts for the price of one, and that price is zero dollars on the same feed. Zero dollars. So, if, if you're a first time listener, go ahead and subscribe. You'll get this show with me and either Scott or Eric or both most of the time, and then same feed, Road to Atlanta, minor league stuff, and uh, fun to be had by all. So, thank you, Eric, for joining me on the show this evening and our first podcast of may it's always fun to talk to you it is the
2: first, Yep, absolutely and make sure that you're sending your tweets about how well austin riley's doing to scott coleman 55 yes please please add I he, scott
1: for all riley content because scott's a good actually, sport and he's I, I, enjoying I, it now but uh it's fun yeah
2: i actually do want to test this all of Uh-oh. our listeners Uh-oh. please just send the tweet to scott Of what Austin Riley's current WRC plus is, and where it ranks amongst um, where it ranks amongst third basemen in baseball right now. We said it earlier. We said it
1: earlier, so that's out there. Um, Yeah, it's
2: out there, and it's easy to look up. I want to see how many people tweet at it, uh, and I want to see how long it takes for him to figure out why people are doing that repeatedly over and over again. Uh, And you know, feel free to tag me if you. Eric has
1: uh, Eric's turned this into basically the equivalent of uh, me trying to trade Ozzy Albies for Scott. That's yeah. essentially what's going yeah. on here. Uh, we all have our takes that we put out there in the world, um, for for whatever reason. And uh, this one is one for Scott. He's just gonna have to enjoy it for a while. It's like whatever Markekes would I know like, I whatever, am. Whatever, whatever Marcus would, would like do anything at all, I'd get ten tweets for like two years basically. And that's where we're gonna be with, with yeah. Riley. It's, it's what's gonna happen. Yeah. That's fine. I think Scott will hey, take it. I, I, p- I picked. Ross- I picked Riley as my breakout candidate. I'm feeling pretty good about my position. Congrats on to you. He's been awesome for like the last yeah. two weeks, and hopefully that continues. Oh, well,
2: it, did, it didn't look so good those first couple weeks? I'm just no, be it, it did it not. And know. that's
1: that's the funny thing about this. Like, you know, I don't think anything we said was like too irresponsible. It just, uh, it just, he's gotten hot now, which is good. And uh, at the end of the fun. day, we're all rooting for the team to do well. So uh, even when we're even when we're wrong, I will happily be wrong about a, about a, about a take if it the Braves are playing well. I'm I'm good with that.
2: Yep, 100%. Couldn't agree oh. more.
1: All right, folks. Subscribe to the show. Um, follow Eric on the Twitter machine at Leprechaun. Follow me if you like Atlanta Hawks takes at BT Roland. And we'll see you all. All the Atlanta Hawks takes. <laughs> all the Atlanta Hawks takes. All right, folks. We'll see you next time.